I made the statement that the richest, deepest, highest, most sublime chapters in all the Bible are Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. What we're going to do this morning is we're going to take a look at Ephesians 2. And then tonight, you do not want to miss tonight. If you liked last night, you do not want to miss tonight. It's Ephesians 3. And I guarantee that you have never heard what you will hear tonight. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at Ephesians 2. We Christians have been living by the wrong story. And as a result, we've experienced an identity crisis. We really honestly do not know who we are. And the reason is we've been told a lie. We have been preached a lie. The result has been we suffer from a case of mistaken identity. We don't know who we are. And so what I'm trying to do this weekend is to escort us all behind the eyes of God to see as He sees and then to encourage you to take His view instead of your own. Because if you can do that, if you can begin to learn how to see through His eyes, and let me tell you something, it's not easy to do that because we're trapped in space-time and we look at things after the flesh. But if we can just stop and get behind the eyes of God and look through them and see as He sees, it will literally change everything. It will change the way we see ourselves. It will change the way we see the Lord. It will change the way we relate to one another. Amen. It will change the meetings of the church and we will get a, a better handle on why in the world we would want to gather like the first century Christians did in the first place. So this is the reason behind it. Now, I'm going to read to you Ephesians 2. I'm going to take it very slowly. I'm going to make some comments as I go along and then I'm going to speak a little bit more about how God sees things. So let's begin in Ephesians 2, verse 1. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Now Paul is leaving the eternal realms from before creation and after creation, and now he's looking at things as they presently are in the natural world. And uh, there was a time where the churches in Asia Minor were dead in their trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. And that word course means a current, kind of like a river that's moving along. Well, here you have dead men being carried about by that course, that river of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest of the world. Okay, so this is a pretty dark picture. You've got dead men walking, dead women walking. We were dead. Not only that, but we're being carried by the course of this present world system. Not only that, but everything that surrounds us, the very air itself that we breathe is controlled by someone called the prince of the power of the air. Not only that, but inside ourselves we are being controlled by what he calls the lusts of the flesh and the desires of the mind. This is a pretty hopeless situation. I mean, it's beyond hopeless. But then we have verse 4. Two words, but God. But God. I hope to write a book one day called But God. But God being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And He raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. So that 
in the ages to come, He might show the surpassing riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one can boast. For we are His workmanship. Now, the word workmanship in the Greek is poema. It's where we get the word poem. It means a work of art. Does anybody have a New Living Translation? All right, would you please read nice and clear that first line in verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. <laughs> we are God's masterpiece. Who? The church is His masterpiece. Now think of the most beautiful thing you've ever seen in this creation. Whether it's the Colorado Rockies or the Pacific Ocean in California or whatever it is. That does not compare to the Holy Ones. You are the most beautiful thing that God has ever created. His masterpiece. Praise the Lord. That's awesome. Take the view of God, brothers and sisters. You are His masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles, in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. Now let me stop here. Now he's talking to the Gentiles in these churches, and most of the churches are made up of Gentiles, and there are some Jews as well. He's going to talk to them in a minute. He says... You Gentiles were formerly called uncircumcision by the circumcision. Now let me just paint a picture here. In all of human history, there has never been as much hatred, as much animosity, as much violent contempt between two races of people as there has been between the Jew and the Gentile. You can trace it back the last 6,000 years. It is raged and raged and raged. And all racism finds its roots back there. When a Jew said the word uncircumcision, that's what they called the Gentiles, they spit it. It was contempt. They said it as they breathed hate behind those words. In the mind of a Jew, the Gentiles were created to fuel the fires of hell. That's documented historical fact. If a Jew married a Gentile, there was a funeral service by that family where they cut off their Jewish children. The hatred runs deep. Well, let's continue. Remember, verse 12, that you were that time separate from Christ. He's speaking to the Gentiles. Excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise. You Gentiles had no hope and you were without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you Gentiles who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Amen. For He Himself is our peace who has made both groups, Jew and Gentile, who has made both groups into one. And He has broken down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in His flesh 
the enmity, the hatred, which was the law of the commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two, Jew and Gentile, into one new man. One new man. Brothers and sisters, sisters and brothers, Jesus Christ is the most unifying person in the universe. And if He can break down the hatred and enmity between Jew and Gentile, He can break it down between any group of people. You understand what I'm saying? If He can break the Jew and the Gentile into one new man, that's more than just reconciliation. That's oneness. He can do that for any group of races. But let me say something else that's even more exciting. This word new in the Greek means unlike anything ever created. Unlike anything ever created. New in form and quality. Something that's never existed before. One new man. You know what that literally means? One new human. One new race. One new species. Brothers and sisters, in the eyes of God, we in this room are a new kind of humanity. We're a new species on this planet. Praise the Lord. A new biological entity. He has made, verse 15, the two into one new man, one new humanity, one new species, thus establishing peace. And he might reconcile them both in one body. What? The body of Christ. To God, through the cross, by it having put to death the enmity, the hatred. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far away. Who were the ones who were far away? The Gentiles. And he preached peace to those of you who were near. Who was near? The Jews. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Well, you know, the Gentiles were far away. The Jews were near, but neither of them were in. And now we're in that body. We're in that person Christ. So then, verse 19, no longer, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow, fellow citizens with the holy ones. And you are God's very household. You're his family. And you have been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And what is that foundation? Christ Jesus, our Lord, Himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together, Jew and Gentile, into the dwelling of God in the Spirit. Praise the Lord. All right. I am speaking to holy ones. I am speaking to a new race, a new human, a new species. Charles Darwin wrote a book 
that many Christians don't like. It's called the origin of species. And you can entitle this next part of this message the origin of a new species. I want to show you two passages of scripture and then I'm going to introduce to you this new species. 1 Corinthians 10, 32. And I'm going to tell you something that really excites me. This is what excites me. <laughs> That's not a bad title, actually. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 32. Do not give offense to the Jews, to the Gentiles, or to the church of God. He has just mentioned three groups of people. Now, wait a minute. Just stop right now. You are either a Jew or a Gentile. There's nothing else. If you're a Jew, you're not a Gentile. And if you're a Gentile, you're not a Jew. But there is something else. According to Paul, there is a third kind of people. The ecclesia of God. Now, brothers and sisters, this is what excites me. The second century Christians, you can find this in literature of the writings of the church fathers. They had a name to describe themselves. This is historical fact. You could read it in black and white. We have the writings of the second century Christians. Do you know what they referred themselves as? The Christians. No, it wasn't the called out ones. It's better than that. They called themselves the third race. They called themselves the third race. We are not Jew. And we are not Gentile. We are something new. They also called themselves the new race. And when I heard that, when I saw that, that, that excited me so much. I had a flashback to all those job applications I'd fill out. Okay, right? Sex, male. Marital status, married. Race, Caucasian, Asian, Afro-American, other. I'm other. I'm part of the third race. I'm part of the new man. And so are you. Praise the Lord, so are you. Get behind the eyes of your God and recognize you are a new biological entity to this planet. You do not belong to this old creation. You belong to the new creation. And that's who you are. But Frank, if I cut myself, I will bleed. Yes, if you look after the flesh, you don't look like much. And neither do I. But peel away this outer garment. And there's glory and light, and you have the very nature and life of God. Yes, sir. Amen. And the unbeliever walking around does not have that. You are something different. It doesn't matter what your physical race is. Doesn't matter. You're part of the new species. Praise the Lord. If we can get behind the eyes of God and look in this room, He would see living beings. That look just like his son. And if we walk the streets of of Richmond, he would see others that were dead. Not part of the old race, the old creation. All right? Now, 
Look with me at 2 Corinthians 5. Brothers and sisters, who are you? Third race. You're part of the third race. You're part of the new creation. You are holy ones. That's right. yeah. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ, Messiah, according to the flesh, yet now we know Him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He's a new human. He's a new species. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Brothers and sisters, may I give you an exhortation. Do not look at one another according to the flesh anymore. Look through different eyes. You're part of the new creation. And this old creation is going to pass away. And the only thing that's going to be left is the new creation. And I wish to tell you the story of how our species began. The Son of God came to this earth as a visitor from another universe, another world. For what reason? He came to invade this planet. He announced that his kingdom, which was from the other realm, would one day arrive on planet Earth. And he warned that he would set up a colony on this planet of his own species. He warned that one day his universe, the realm of the invisibles and eternals, would tear open and out of it would come rushing forth a new species of his own kind. And it would eventually take over the planet. And he warned that the old creation would one day be gone and that the new creation would be seated on this planet and take it over forever and ever. Now, I want us to get a good, clear look at this new species. <laughs> what are his unusual characteristics? What is unique about this new species who has visited this planet from another world? First, he was untouched by the corruption of this world. He was biologically flawless. He was perfect. No charge could be laid against him. He was free from the incurable disease of sin that touched every living creature. It could not penetrate this new species. Do you understand? He was without blame. He was perfect. He was untouched by the old creation. Two, he lived in the other universe at the same time as he lived on this planet. He walked in both realms at the same time. He was in both realms at the same time. His physical body was part of this creation. And it walked here. But there was some part of him deep within that was still part of the other universe. And he was still there at the same time. That's why he could say in John 3, the Son of Man who is in the heavens. Mm -hmm. Do you know there's a scripture that says that? No man ascended into heaven, but he who has come down from heaven, even the Son of Man who is in the heavenlies. Present tense. Mm -hmm. I'm here, but I'm also there. Mm -hmm. And then in John 7, when he was talking to the unbelieving Jews, he says, where I am, you cannot go. What? Where I am, you cannot go. Not where I'm going, where I am. 
at the same moment that he walked this planet, he was in the other realm. There was a part of him that still walked there. That's not all. Number three, he could listen to his own species in the other realm and he would repeat it in this realm. He could hear his father who was in the other universe while he walked on this planet. And he would repeat that which he heard. Something else about this new species. He had the capacity and the need to receive two forms of nourishment. He needed two totally different kinds of food for two totally different biological parts of his nature. He ate physical, visible food, bread and fish, but he also ate an invisible food. He drank invisible water. He breathed invisible air. If you read the New Testament carefully, the Gospels, Jesus often talks about food. But he's not talking about our food. He's talking about the food from another realm. I have food to eat that you know not of. He's a creature from another universe. He's a new species. His physical body needs physical food. But he has a part of him that doesn't belong here. And it needs another kind of food that's invisible. He engaged in a very unusual kind of work. You know what the work of this new species was? Simply to believe. That came out of his own mouth. The work of God is to believe. He was in every way liberated from every kind of structure, law, rule, or order. He was not subject to them at all. He was totally under the control and the influence of the other universe. He walked according to the principles of the other realm. He was not influenced by the rules and regulations of this realm. In fact, he continually broke them. Do you know that? It got him in trouble. Now listen to this. This is number seven. Forget the numbering if you're off on that. Doesn't matter. He chose to introduce his own biological order into this planet in a very unusual way. He would capture some who were part of the fallen species. And in some mysterious way, he would impregnate them with his own life in nature. And that life in nature that he impregnated them with would eventually take over their whole being. That's quite a way to reproduce, isn't it? And he described this as being a birth. He said, there is a physical birth in which you become earthly, but there is another birth. It's a birth from above. It's a birth in the other dimension. It's a birth in the other realm. And when you have that birth, you become part of my own species. Something new. What an incredible way to take over a planet. Capture the fallen species and impregnate them with a new kind of life in nature. Otherworldly. Otherworldly. <laughs> I'll take that word. Nine. What did a person have to do to be impregnated by this new species? All they had to do was believe. 
and 10. He did not live like a Jew or a Gentile. He lived like a creature from another world and another race. He was always walking a razor-thin line. He wouldn't fit into anyone's box. He could not be pigeonholed. He could not be boxed in. And that's what made people furious, both Jew and Gentile. He didn't live like a legalistic Jew. In fact, he broke most of their traditions. And he certainly didn't live like an immoral, loose Gentile. He was something different. Now, I want to say a word about a movement that's afoot in our day. There is a movement that's built on a false understanding of Jesus Christ. It paints Jesus as a first century Jew. And from that supposition, it says, the church has Jewish roots. Therefore, we must go back to our Hebraic roots. And we must follow the Hebraic ways because those are the roots of the church. Brother and sister, get this clear. Jesus Christ was not Jew and he was not Gentile. He was a new species. He was a new kind of being. And the church, her roots are not in the Jewish race, world, culture, tradition. Her roots are from another world, that same world that he came out of. Your roots go way back before eternity passed. That's where we're from. That's our heritage, sister. Don't lay law on me. No, we are free from law. He took within his body the enmity, which was the law, and he put it to death. And all that whole movement is legalism in disguise. It's trying to put God's people under bondage, get you to go back to the law. Please read Colossians 2. Let no man judge you in what you eat, drink, festivals, Sabbath days, for these things were a shadow of Christ who has come. And read the book of Hebrews, please. And he blows away. He blows to bits. The shadows, they're all pictures. Let's not go back to the shadow. We have the reality. Our roots are not in the Hebrew religion. They're from another universe. From before creation. We're part of a new race. Neither Jew, neither Gentile. And this is our Lord. He was neither. Now, all of this is beautiful, but it's meaningless unless you understand this one thing. Our species, the new man, the new creation, the holy ones, we have a native habitat. You know that every species has a habitat. You take that species out of the habitat to which it was created, it will die. Or it will turn into some mutated, distorted creature. Did you know that? You have a habitat. You have a habitat, a native habitat for your species. It's called ecclesia. It's not the church building where you go and listen to someone preach and you sit down in a pew like a pillar of salt and watch a service as your eyes turn to concrete and you fall asleep. And then you go home and you live your individual life. That is not the ecclesia. The ecclesia is a community, a colony from the heavenly realm. It's a people who live a shared life together. And it is there in that community that the people of God, the new race, 
hears from the father of the other realm. He speaks through the community. Yeah. 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 And that's how they learn how to live their life together. We are not an individualistic species. We are communal species. And there's no race in the species. There is not Jew. There is not Gentile. It's one new man. Everything I've said to you is meaningless unless you understand your habitat and get in it. All right. Unless you get in your habitat. It's meaningless. You have a habitat native to your species. The church of the living God is here on this earth to be the first fruits, the first evidence of the new creation that's here now, but that will eventually invade, take over this planet. Yeah. Yeah. You have a physical body that belongs to this creation. I will admit that Jesus' physical body was born from a Jewish mother. That's all I'll give you. But that's not the real him. You know, that body's different now. And you know something else? You have a physical body that is tied to this old creation. My physical body has a, Italian genes. Our physical body has some other kind of connection to this old creation. But that's not the real you. It's not. Thank God. I'm waiting for this body to go. This body's going to dissolve. But listen, there is a seed in you, a germ. And in the genetics of that seed that's in you is a brand new, flawless, disease-free, sin-free, flesh-free body. The same body that your Lord walks around in today. And it's not tied to this creation. It's a seed there. And one day, brothers and sisters, we all are going to hear a sound from the other realm. There's going to be a sound from the other realm. And there's going to be a tearing of the fabric of the spiritual world. And out of it will spill out Many, many, many of the holy ones who are there now, they will come to this planet. And we immediately, instantly, the seed is going to kick in. And this old body will be gone and in a split second. The new body, which is part of the new creation, will come forth and it will be the manifestation of the sons of God made visible to this earth. And the old creation will go and the new creation will be here. But brothers and sisters, we live in the reality of that now. We're not waiting for it to happen. We are now part of this new species. Because the real you and the real me, it's not this physical body. It's that spirit. And you know where that spirit came from? It has been in Christ from before creation and time, eternally. And it is pure, and it is holy, and it has never touched sin. And that's what God sees. It's not the worst news you ever heard, brothers and sisters. You have a choice. You can go on living in guilt and condemnation. You can go on with a poor self-image. You can go on trying to be a better Christian. 
And by the way, if you try to be a better Christian, that attempt will never end. You'll be 80 years old and you'll say, I'm still trying to be a better Christian. Or you can believe the greatest news in human history. And that is now you are a new creation. And now you are holy and blameless in His sight. Take your place there. Take your stand there. We walk not by sight, but by what's real, by faith. This is what a believer is. A believer believes what he can't see physically. He believes that which God has said. And this is what God has said. We're part of a new creation. We belong to the lineage of the Son of God. And you and I cannot be indicted. We can't be blamed. We can't be accused. We can't be condemned. Read Romans 8. There is no condemnation. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's Ephesians 2. Well, I'll just say this. I'll end here. You can hear, if you listen, the voice from the other realm. And I'll tell you where that voice often comes. It doesn't just come here. It comes from here and here and here. This is why. This is why the habitat is so important. It comes from one another. It doesn't come from just one person. I don't care how gifted they are. It doesn't come from a pastor. It doesn't come from elders. It comes from all of us. You understand? From the least to the greatest, from the most gifted to the least gifted. It comes from all of us. What is the ecclesia? It is a group of people who are part of this new creation who are learning and discovering who they really are and walking accordingly together. And you can't do it by yourself. You'll die. You are made for community. That's why I'm here in this room. I, I am here attempting to show you what you look like in the eyes of God. You just look beautiful in His eyes. You're His masterpiece. His masterpiece. Think about that. Praise the Lord. Well, this is Ephesians 2. Now tonight, we're going to go to Ephesians 3. And we're going to uncork the mystery of Christ. Hid in God for ages. Hi friends, I hope you enjoyed this message. It is part of a master class entitled Untraceable Riches Ephesians in 3D. And it contains all of the messages that I shared on the book of Ephesians in a series of conferences throughout the United States. These messages have never been released before. There are over 20 of them, but you can get access to all of them through the master class. Just go to frankviola.org forward slash classes, join the wait list, and the next time the master class opens, you will receive an email. Thanks for listening. Take care.